0: Uh, The opening mishnah of this um, perek, and the Gemara's discussion confirmed that one witness is believed to say That a woman's husband has died, and therefore she is allowed to get remarried. Uh, The question that we've been dealing with immediately above is: What about in the case of Yibum? Is a is one witness believed to say that your yavam died, and therefore you are allowed to go and marry someone else? Uh, So that's the question that we are going to address right now and bring two proofs in addition to the previous discussion. And we learn from a Mishnah later in the Pedic that says, A woman herself, a wife herself, uh, or is not believed to say, Oh, listen, my Yavam died, I'm going, so that I can go marry another man from the, from the Shuk. Uh, she's not believed. And another case, so, so the first one is more directly our case that we're asking about. But uh, Another case there is that uh, the woman says, my sister died. My sister was married to some guy. And uh, therefore, by testifying that her, that, the, that her sister died, she can go and take her place and marry her husband, her previous brother-in-law. Now, if the sister did in fact die, that would be permitted. The man is not allowed to be married to... Uh, two sisters uh, while they're alive, but if one died, then he can take his wife's sister. Uh, In these two cases, they are not believed. That's the end of the Mishnah, the first part of the Mishnah. Now we analyze, Oh, so we see that she herself is not believed because she has ulterior motives. Perhaps she uh, wants to, uh, perhaps she's lying. Uh, because she wants to marry outside or she wants to marry this brother-in-law. Uh, so she's not believed, but uh, that means that one witness is believed. Because if one witness was not believed, you wouldn't have to say that she is not believed. You say one witness is not believed and this wife herself, she is also one witness. So you could just make you can make a more expansive law. Therefore, we can derive from here that one witness is in fact believed to say, Oh, the yavam of this person died. And therefore, she can go free and marry someone else. All right, that's the proof, but then we reject it. In that logic, I look at the continuation of that very Mishnah. A man is not, is not believed to say, my brother died and he died without children, and therefore, I'm going to go do Yubum with his wife. No, he cannot do that. It is also not believed to say, my wife died, so that he can go and marry his wife's sister. Uh, so that's the parallel. Now, end of Mishnah, will analyze and say, He himself is not believed, but according to this, we could infer that one witness would be believed in these cases. Now this, but the problem is that this is not true uh, one 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 witness is not believed to allow a man to remarry in any of these cases. The reason is because, as we saw way in the beginning of the pedic, we believe one, one witness only because we want to prevent an aguna, right? If uh, the husband is away and we don't know where he is, uh, then we don't want her to not be able to be married, to be chained to a possibly deceased husband a missing husband for her whole life, and therefore we rely on one witness to say he's dead. So this is a special dispensation for a woman in cases where she will not be able to remarry. It would not apply to a man. It also would not apply, incidentally, to the woman who says, my wife, my sister died and I want to marry the husband. Uh, of my sister because she doesn't have to marry him uh, she is permitted to marry anybody uh, okay so that's why he is not believed now so regarding a of uh, the wife uh in the case of here so because uh, if the Yavam is alive and we don't know where he where, where he is she will not be able to marry anybody else until we establish that or if she was married and the husband uh is missing so in those cases he says yes, we believe one witness. But regarding a man, there's no, there's no way we would believe one man, uh, one witness to uh, permit a man to marry, and therefore, since the this logical deriv- derivation in the. Sefa of the Mishnah does not lead to a, co- a correct conclusion. Therefore, the same logical derivation in the, in the Rasha must be rejected, and therefore we do not have a proof from here that one witness is uh, permitted. Uh, so if that's all true, then what is this whole Mishnah needed for? If it's not teaching us anything particularly new, ki mar bi Akiba mamzer lavin Emma akilkulada we need this to teach a chidush that even this is it true, that this law is true, even according to the Biakiba. The Biakiba is the one that says that if someone violates an Isur Lav, it results in a mamzer. So you might have thought, according to the Biakiba, maybe we should believe this woman to say Mayavam died then I'll go marry. And if she does marry, that's only in the love. But for Ribi Kiva, in the love can create a mamzer. And so we might think that she will worry about ruining her children, who may who will be mamzerim, if the avam is still alive. And therefore, she will make sure, she's not going to lie, she's going to go and investigate, she's not going to say that without 100% proof, because she's the one that's going to bear the brunt of the Punishment of the penalty of those consequences with her children, and therefore maybe she would be believed. So kamash malan. That's why the Mishnah comes to tell us that akil La haisha. That she's just worried more selfish, worried about herself, and because uh, she she likes this guy and she doesn't want to marry the avam and she wants to marry. Someone else, and she's just thinking about that, and she's not really thinking right now about the future possibilities of a mamzer, mamzerim uh, children, and therefore we do not believe her because we cannot assume that she's taking into account the far-reaching consequences to the next generation. Alright, so now we come to the next possible proof that one witness would be believed for a Shomeret yavam to marry outside. I can learn it from a Kalva that one witness is believed regarding a Yev'amah, that she says, my husband, uh, my yavam, died and I can marry out elsewhere. Since we believe one witness for a Neisur Karet, that in the case where a woman is married, the first Mishnah, and the husband goes uh, overseas and one witness comes and says he's dead, we believe one witness. And that, uh, if he's still alive, that would be, uh, and she goes and is with someone else, that would be an Isur Karet, that's adultery. So if we believe one witness in the case of a serious case of Isur Karet, all the more so Isur Lav. If she, if the Yavam is still alive, in fact, and she goes and and marries somebody else. It's only in inusur sort of love, so all the more so we should believe one witness. That's our proof. All right, sounds like a good proof, but they, uh, his colleagues, rejected. A certain uh, he, uh, this, uh, one of the sages said back to him, He de Kareti Tarta, lisur lav lohi I can learn from he, she, herself. When she testifies about herself, uh, we say that um, uh, when uh, regarding a sur karet, we do believe her. If she testifies, my husband is dead, woman testifies that her own husband is dead, um, she can marry another man. We do believe her. So we want to say from from for her from Aguna. Um and yet if she says my yavam is dead, we just saw the Mishnah. We do not permit her. Now, why don't you make a kavachomid? We see that those Mishnayot do not make a kavachomid, and therefore this logic is not true. Uh, so that rejects the kavah chomet. Okay. And what is, in fact, the reason why she is not believed uh, regarding the, we said to say, Yavam HaYavam is dead. Because sometimes she hates him, and she doesn't want to be involved and have to do, I mean, she can ask for Khalitza, but it's a whole to-do. Maybe he doesn't going to refuse to chalitza. She's going to be stuck, have a hard time, because she hates him. She will not check it further, and she'll say, oh, look, one witness, anything, she'll follow anything to say that he is dead. Uh, So if that logic is true and she herself is the witness, then it also applies the same thing when one witness comes, not her, uh, someone else comes and says, your husband is dead, she's going to say, "Um, uh, oh great, I hated that guy anyway, I will believe you. And therefore she's not going to hire her own private investigator to make sure uh, that in fact husband is dead, and therefore we cannot believe one witness in this case. And that's the reason why the Kavach Homer doesn't work. Whereas in the case where the husband has gone missing, she says, not the abam is dead, but rather my husband is dead, um, in that case, there's no reason to assume that she hated her husband. I mean, she was married to him, and uh, and uh, therefore we would believe one witness, and she herself would be believed uh, because in that case she, we assume she would investigate, and she would not uh, accept. Uh, she would not say that he was dead if, in fact, uh, he was alive. Uh, without full investigation. All right, so that's the two explanations, and then the last part of our Mishnah uh, said Darash uh, Elazad ben Matya. This is a case where uh, a woman was uh, went and uh, she did kiddushin with another man after she heard, uh, she got testimony that her husband is dead, but it turned out to be wrong, but only, only did kiddushin. So in that case she's allowed to go back to her first husband and even if the second husband gives her a get, which is actually not necessary because the Kiddushin is not valid since the first husband was alive the whole time. But even if he does end up giving a get, she can go back and marry a Kohen. She's not Pasu because that get was completely unnecessary. Uh, so that was the law. And uh, we learned it from the Pasuk. V'ishah meisha. A Kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee only if she was, in fact, a divorce from marriage and required a get. Uh, but if she was never married, not even kiddushin uh, to that guy, and so he just gave her a get for fun, or wrongly in thinking that it was necessary when it was absolutely not, not necessary, then a kohen can still m- marry her. That's what we derived. That's the midrash that they derived. Okay. So commenting on this, Rav said, Rav said, he derived it from that pasuk, but he could have learned a pearl from it, and all he got from it was an earthenware shard. In other words, he learned a simple law from it, one that was pretty obvious anyway. Right? What are you learning? That someone who doesn't require a get, so the, uh, not, is not considered a divorcee. Uh, it's pretty obvious, and you missed an opportunity to learn something that is a bigger chidush from this pasuk. So what is it? You could have learned the following case. If someone divorced only from his wife, in other words, he gives her a divorce and says in in the get, right, Behold, you are divorced, but you cannot marry any other man, right? So you're divorced only from me, but you are not, you are not together with anyone else. Now that divorce is uh, invalid. The whole point of divorce is to completely separate uh, the husband and wife and permit her to go ahead and marry others. I mean you can put some conditions in it but the conditions have to have time have certain time limits uh so that at some point she will be totally free and here she is not free to marry so it's not a valid divorce nevertheless if a man gives his wife a divorce that say, a get that says this even though it's invalid she cannot marry a kohen uh because this comes to include even an in isha whose divorce a woman who's divorced only from her husband but not yet fully divorced and not married, allowed to marry anybody else. That person also a uh, kohen cannot marry. Now, even though this divorce is this get is invalid, this is called reyach get. It has the trace, the smell of a get. It's kind of like a get, and that is sufficient uh, that it creates this prohibition, uh, not a Doraita prohibition. Uh, even though actually we're learning it from pasuk here, but it's uh it's a it's similar to a valid get, and therefore. Um, uh, that's the pearl. You could have learned this big kidush here. Uh, instead, you learned something that was only av- that was already obvious. All right, and now the next mishnah. Now we're going to turn the tables around, and in this in this case, it's the wife who went on the trip and we don't know where what happened to her so we say mish hal khaishto limidatayam baw wa amrullah <laughs> mata ishtaha binasaat akhata wa han kah ba ishto muteret ladh zorullah wa mutabkrawat shniya If a woman goes away to a foreign land. And then some testimony comes back and said, Oh, I'm sorry to tell you your wife has died. So now he says, Well, you know what? I will marry my wife's sister, which is permitted if in fact the wife died. But then the wife shows up and says, Hey, honey, I'm home. And then finds that it's her sister. Is with her previous husband so she has to the husband has to leave the second wife the sister because that was not permitted in fact the wife was alive the whole time so they were married so it was always prohibited to her so he violated maybe unwittingly um, but now he cannot remain with her and he is allowed to go back and stay and uh, and stay with his original wife um, uh, because for a man that the laws of uh adultery do not apply uh to him. He lived in sin, but not a sin of two sisters, not a sin of adultery. I mean, theoretically, if it was someone else, he is allowed to marry two wives. Um so he can go back and live with her, and they are he is allowed uh to marry. The relatives of the second wife, uh, for example, if that second wife, the sister of his current wife, of his first wife, had a a daughter from a previous marriage, from another marriage, he would be permitted to her. Uh, and also that second uh, wife is permitted to his male relatives. In other words, even though they were in a prohibited relationship for a while, uh, that does not prohibit their relatives as if they were married, uh, because they were never married. And if eventually the first wife dies, then he can go and marry the second wife. And just because uh, in the past they had a prohibited relationship unwittingly, uh, nevertheless, now that the first husband, first wife has died, she he can marry the second uh, sister. <speaking in Hebrew> uh, so, if a more complicated case uh, or similar to the one before, she goes away, and as uh, witness, uh, witnesses say, uh, your wife has died and he goes and marries a sister but then they say oh sorry uh, that that was a wrong that was wrong information actually she was alive but now she's dead uh, so uh, that's must be uh, uh, weird emotionally to find out that uh, she actually was alive but anyway she's dead now well the point is children from before the first wife died are mamzedim because uh, at that point he had a child with his wife's sister that's Edva uh, but any children he had after his wife actually died they are not Ramzidim, because at that point he it would be is allowed to be married to his wife's uh former wife's sister. B. okay that's uh, all good now the Bible says says um, a little bit of a complex case the B. He has what you can call a reciprocal rule. If in the, you have a case where someone else will be disqualified, then he also is disqualified. Where if, if no one else will be disqualified, he also is not disqualified. So the case above we're, where one is not disqualified. Where would someone else be disqualified and that cause a reciprocal reaction? That would be case as follows. Let's see I have couple A and couple B. In um, couple, couple A, the wife goes away, and in couple B, the husband goes away. Maybe they go away, maybe they're together at a conference or something, and the witnesses come and say they both died. And now the husband in couple A marries the wife in couple B, and they are sisters. Okay. So regarding the first, uh, the couple, uh, man A, so it's the same as what we said before. But now it turns out that they're alive and they come back. Now look at it from the perspective of man of, of couple B. From his perspective, his wife went and had an affair uh, with this guy and it doesn't matter if it's unwitting uh because they he they thought he she thought that her husband was dead this is the first uh mishnavarpedek uh, there we apply all of this disqualifications and so she has to leave both husbands and so on and so forth and that. And therefore, she is disqualified. That husband is also, husband B is disqualified uh, from being with his wife again. So, to be says uh, reciprocal rule, if in any case one side of it is going to become. uh, in this case, one sister is going to be Pasul, so too the other one also will be, and therefore husband A would not be allowed in such a case to uh, be back together with his wife. Okay, interesting rule that the Gemara is immediately going to discuss and say the opposite, right? Here the Gemara is going to say, well, the opinion of Tanakama." Who will say to the uh, further extent of leniency? Leniency. Even if his wife and his brother-in-law, meaning husband from from couple B, go uh, away. And because he, the one that the, wife, the husband that stays, marries the sister that stays, um, that nisuim will be effective to the extent that it will prohibit his. A uh, couple be to ever be back together. Ah uh, filuhahi eshit kiso asira ishtosa sharia. Nevertheless, the um uh, the, the, even though his sister-in-law is prohibited, his original wife, his first wife of couple A, is permitted, and couple A can back, can get back together. And we do not say since the sister-in-law, brother-in-law, couple B are prohibited to each other, therefore his for his wife, the first one of couple A, also is prohibited. No, we do not say that. All right, so that's interesting and uh, exploring the extent of the, uh, of, of the leniency of Tanakama. The Megamana next is going to make an observation. seems that our Mishnah must not be the opinion of Rabbi Akiba. And now it's very possible it's not, but we'd rather that the Mishnah be unanimous if we could. So this is a, somewhat of a question. Uh, because according to Rabbi Akiva, one would need a get in this case. Uh, why? Uh, we're about to show the source. Uh, according to Rabbi Akiva, if someone marries uh, is ma- is married and then he goes and does a kiddushin nisuin ceremony with his wife's sister, then he is required to give her a get. Um, uh, even though there's no, uh, the kiddush, usually, uh, if someone does Kiddushin to someone he is prohibited to, uh, any of the Adayot, the Kiddushin is not valid, and therefore no get is required. The says in this case a get is required. And therefore, in our case of Armishna, where the uh, wife goes away and, uh, and he hears that she's dead, and she goes ahead and marries the sister, uh, so then when the wife comes back, Uh, he will be required to give a get to the second wife, the second sister, and once he does that, then his original wife is the sister of his divorcee, and the sister of a divorcee is prohibited. Um, And when they are, right, sister of a divorcee is also prohibited, because uh, until one dies, he cannot marry the other, and therefore he would not be able to Remain with his first wife. So you see, Rabbi Akiba cannot be the author of Mish Mishnah. Now let's see the source of Rabbi Akibah's law here. According to Tanakama, anytime someone tries to do a Kiddushin ceremony with any of the uh, um, forbidden relations in the Torah, uh, the Kiddushin is not valid, and therefore, while it, they, it's a prohibition, Uh, they are not married and therefore do not require a get, except for one case where um, eshet ish, uh, adultery, where someone remarried uh, mistakenly based on the consultation of the court. The court ruled, like in our first Mishnah, uh, where uh, the court ruled and says, okay, we declare your husband is dead, you can remarry. And she does so and the husband comes back. So because she got permission of the court, uh, therefore, that gave a stamp of authority on that second marriage and gives it uh, gives it some validity, and therefore she is kind of is married to the second one and has to give receive a get. That's anyway the Peshat of the Spadaita, the Gemara uh, Bavli, interpreted as one witness, and therefore still needs a get midrabanan. Okay, uh, that's Tanakama only in that one case. However, interestingly, adds two more cases. If a man tries to do kiddushin with his brother's wife, uh, then he uh, that he has to give a get uh, to her. Uh, the reason is because potentially eventually he might be able to marry that very brother's wife if his brother should die without children and she becomes a Yevama, since there is such a possibility of them being married. So therefore, uh, even though right now uh, the brother is alive and he's permitted to, to her uh, nevertheless, um, the uh, Rabbi Akiva says there is some possible validity, so you have to give a get. And also, Achot Isha, his wife's sister. Although right now they are prohibited, she, he, she, they are prohibited to each other. But potentially, if the wife, if the current wife would, would die, he would be permitted to her sister, and therefore uh, potentially uh, they would uh, could be married in some scenario. And therefore, they do require a get. Now once you require get then the um the uh, the the first sister who is currently married to becomes the wife of his divorcee and will be prohibited and yet our mishnah said that in this case uh when the wife goes away he marries the sister. The wife comes back. He can remain with the first wife. Wait, but according to Kiva, he would have to give the second one a get, and then would be prohibited to the first. Rabe'akiva cannot be the author of our Mishnah. Uh, but then we say no, not necessarily. Uh, Rav says, when did Rabe'akiva say this? Only. When there was Kiddushin only, when the first, um, the case of Eshedach we're going to start with. Uh, for example, uh, a man did Kiddushin with um, his brother, a man's brother did Kiddushin, only Kiddushin with a woman, and he went away. He went away. And, uh, and they heard that he died. So now they only had Kiddushin so far. And now the brother... Um, and comes, and he does Kidushin and nisu in with her now people looking Damre inahe kama tena le kihin faha shapir. People will say, "Oh, I get. How was he allowed to marry this? This? Uh, this one? Uh, must be that the first one, the the uh, husband who went away, when he did kiddushin, he must have done it on condition, uh, some condition, and the condition that was not fulfilled, and so therefore there was no kiddushin. And the second one is in fact fully married. Therefore, in that case, sh- when the uh, should the original husband come back, the one who was away." Uh, Then he had the valid first first Kiddushin. The second marriage ceremony was not valid. Um, But you will require a divorce because the people looking on will assume that the first Kiddushin was not valid. The second one was valid. So you need a divorce because of the optics in this case. And similarly in the second case, Achot Isha for example, someone did kiddushin only with one sister, and uh, she she went and um, uh, to a foreign place, and they heard that she she died. And then he married the sister. So people will say, what happened to the First wife, the one who went away, uh, must be that they look. They only did kiddushin. There must have been a condi- must have been a conditional kiddushin, and the kiddushin uh, never was fulfilled by And therefore, the second one is a full marriage. That's what that's what it looks like. Right. And therefore, when the wife comes, when the wife actually comes back, he has to give a get uh, to the one that he married second because it does seem like. Uh, the first one is only condition, the second one is valid. Even though that's all not true, the first one was a valid kiddushin, and the second one is no good, nevertheless you require a get. Okay, all that is only in cases where you the first, um, with the first people was only does, done kiddushin. Ella nisu'in mikal memar nisu'in But all this, this opinion of Rabbi Akiva would not apply for nisu'in because people don't generally make a condition in a nisu'in. It doesn't work as well it's not generally done, and so no one's going to assume if they did full nisu'in with the, with the first uh, the first time around, with, with the original wife, and then she goes away, and then he's with the second one, no one's going to assume, oh, I guess it was a nisu'in al and really the second one is good. Everybody will understand that uh, the, she's still married to the first, and the second one does not need a get, even a b'ekiva would not require a get in nisu'in, so therefore, Ribi uh, Akiva could, in fact, be the author of our Mishnah. Uh, very good. Okay, and now one last point. le litne name Hold on. I have another reason to say that our Mishnah is not Ribi Akiva because uh, that Amrish only mentions a case of sisters uh, but it doesn't but if it was Rebbe HaKivah uh, then it should, we should mention also a case of a mother-in-law uh, for example a wife goes away and then um, they hear he's dead she's dead and then he goes and marries his wife's former ex-wife because she's dead now her mother his former mother-in-law because according to Rebbe HaKivah Right now, we're assuming that is permitted. Tashimin Ladr <laughs> said that one's mother in law, after the death of his wife, um, if he is with her, there is no uh, punishment of burning. Generally, the punishment for uh, being with one's mother in law is burning. And uh, he says, no, that does not apply. It only applies when the wife is alive but not after she died. So this could be another case. That would be um, a good example in our Mishnah. In fact, the Mishnah does not say it. it must be that it's not, the Mishnah is not by the B'Aqibah. Okay, now let's see the source, the Tanya. Yisrifu Oto In the case of uh, 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 someone who takes a woman and her daughter, it says they shall both be burnt. Let's look at the pasuk inside. It's a bit difficult. Uh, it says, if, a mother, if, some, if someone takes a woman and her mother, that would be his mother-in-law, is considered zima, and in fire, they shall burn, him. so he gets burned, because so, he's he violated, and also, and them. Them sounds like the wife and the mother, but this is hard to understand. He sinned with the mother-in-law. Why should the wife be burned? What does the etan mean here? Uh, So that is subject to machloket. Otov ve'et ahat mehender means one of them. Uh, whoever he sinned with, uh, so uh, only only one of them, uh, not both. Uh, fine, that's a bishmael, who generally is uh, more a uh, 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 regular literal reading. he says yes him and both of them. Now, what does it mean both of them? There's two opinions within Rabbi Aqiba. Bishlamad be'le'abayedamal mashma'utur shin eka benayhu. The bishmael's avar hadak. Etiv the b'rabib Aqiba's avar. Partitive, chapier. So, going to be there are there's difference of interpretation of the meaning of the Pasuk uh, between them. And the he, Rabbi could explain all of this just fine, because according to him, it simply means as follows. According to Bishmael, he, he says, uh, it means one of them, ten means uh, one of them, uh, of uh, whoever he sent with. And Rabbi Kiba says two, it says two, and it's referring to two people. Who is it referring to? His mother-in-law and his mother-in-law's mother, his grandmother, is, is his wife's grandmother. Um, he, he, both of them are prohibited to him, and both of them uh, require burning and so according to that uh, this would be a prohibition that would apply forever even after the wife died and so uh this would not be includable in the Mishnah. So then uh, there's no question according to that. Uh, but the question is according to Ravah, Ravah says the difference between the Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva is that Rabbi Ishmael says the mother-in-law is prohibited forever, even after the wife dies, whereas Rabbi Akiva says uh, that the mother-in-law is permitted after his wife dies in this interpretation the reason why he says attend both of them is to say that when they are both alive both his wife and her, and the mother-in-law then the mother-in-law is liable to burning but not if the wife is dead and only one is alive. So according to that since uh, this uh, is an equivalent case to two sisters uh, where also if one dies you can marry the other and here if uh, the wife dies he can marry the mother. he can be with the mother-in-law why not include this as a similar case to the law in the case in the Mishnah? And if it doesn't, it must be this is our Mishnah is not a Biakiva. Well we have an answer. It's true. According to the Biakiva is in, in within the interpretation of Rava, it's true that the Pasuk says that she will not get burnt in such a case. If the wife is dead, then and the man is with his mother-in-law, uh, then there's no punishment of burning. But does it take away the prohibition? No, no, the pasuk is not saying it's permitted, it's still prohibited. And so therefore this would not fit into the Mishnah and is not equivalent to the case of two, case of two sisters where in fact if one sister dies, it's completely permitted to take the other. Baruch Adonai de Olam, Amen v'amen.